All right, a couple of things before we get started. Number one, Wednesday night, which will be Christmas, we'll be having our Christmas service at 7 p.m. Um, so we won't be changing the time or anything since we nor- our normal Wednesday service is at 7 anyway. Church will be at 7. We will be partaking of the Lord's Supper, so make sure you are prepared for that. Um, we will be doing that. Second thing, um, I don't know when, but at some point, we will have an uh, internet connection in the church, so then people can connect to the Wi-Fi. Uh, once that occurs, then all sermons, Sunday, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday, will all be streamed live. Okay, So if you're not here, please partake of it. That would really be great. Now, the sermons are already already available, you know, Pretty, pretty quickly, uh, especially now with the, the laptop, uh, as soon as I walk in, I'll have to just hit publish and it's done. Now, what will occur is once the, it's hooked up, the second the sermon or Sunday school or sermon is over, the second it will just immediately be loaded on the speaker app. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to transfer anything. I don't have, it's just done. As soon as the sermon is done, I'm done. Like now I have to get home, then go to each one, and then create the title, put the artwork there, and then upload it. It'll, all that will already be done, and just it'll be finished. So, uh, so please make use of that, and just uh, obviously continue to listen to everything that we're posting. Um, remember, it's originally designed for you guys, so you're, you're, you're using it, and your engagement makes it more about you. If you don't listen and you're not engaged, then it's going to become about whoever else is using it. Okay, so I mean, I, I, there's that's just how it's going to happen. So, uh, so uh, our numbers were way up this uh, week. Um, unfortunately, it, they were up, but that, yeah, wasn't a good thing because uh, when you when you cover the story about Christianity Today calling for the impeachment of Trump, uh, trust me, my email box is not nice. Uh, yeah, I was called lots of bad names. So, um, because that's the way Christians handle themselves when they hear something they don't like. So, I guess that's the way it works. So. Uh, so it was good that the numbers were up. It was bad. Now we did get uh, a couple of emails from people who were supportive of of the program because uh, they actually got the point, where others um, they didn't get the point because uh, they just heard Trump impeachment and didn't get the point I was trying to make. I tried to make it very clear. So we'll see if if, if, if shooting starts. Okay, we know we know why they're after me. Okay, right? Okay, <laughs> they're not after you. Okay, so uh, yeah, that it, it, that was been an interesting week to watch that happen. So we, we'll see. Uh, so just remind, just continue. If you have any, um, you know, make sure you have the speaker app. And if you have any problems or questions, let me know because uh, I can't I can't fix it if I don't know. But I think everything's been working out pretty good, and hopefully we can continue to uh, build on that and see what we can do. All right. That's all. I think that's all the updates. I can't think of anything else. Um, but we will. We'll see how it works once we get it. Once we get it set up, the good thing is I can come here instead of trying to do things at home where I got dogs and it's just. Oh man, I hate when the live broadcasts get messed up. So I'll just be able to come here. I never the dogs in the Okay. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. I try my best to hide. I can. I just look at them like don't make a sound. Okay, but but. Sometimes there, there, trust me, there has been some live broadcasts that were destroyed. You just didn't hear the live broadcast. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, those are, that's depressing. But, uh, once it, once it's here, um, I've already come out here a lot to do some recordings. And it's just, I just set the, uh, mic up there and I just sit there back in the chair and just do what I need to do. And it's quiet and there's no problems. And, uh, I'll be able to do, and I, and the reason I push for the live so much, cause you may, you may be thinking, why? What's the difference? For you, there's no difference. For me, it's night and day. Okay, here's what happens. When I do a recording, I'll say, welcome, everyone. It's Sunday, December the 20th. I don't like the way. Delete. Okay, uh, welcome. Uh, I don't like the way I said welcome. Delete. Start it. Delete. And literally, like, it'll be 50 times. Okay, and I, I, there's no stopping, you know. And so uh, I like, I prefer that better because the other one, you overthink it and it's just, it's, it becomes literally, like, you don't understand how like compulsive, obsessive it, it it's it's bad for me. It it's it, it's bad. It's bad, 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 bad. So it leads to a, a major stress, headache, seizure kind of situation. And live, it's just hit the button and then I'm done. 
You know, and then even there, even if I don't like it, it's already there. So there's almost a tendency just to keep it instead of redoing it. So the, that's why I'm pushing for that so much because it takes away some of the stress that I encountered in the previous years. I don't have that. And so I prefer the live. So. No, not video. No, 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 not just audio. Yeah. So, uh, that, uh, hopefully, hopefully it will work. So that's, that's, that's the plan. And then um, we'll see how it all how it all develops and how it goes. It, n- not much is going to change other than uh, instead of doing recordings, I'll be doing it live, and then which will be the recording. Does that make sense? Okay. Which and I can't. Yeah, I can't. And it's the sermons I won't be able to choose either. There's already going to be there, so that that's going to uh, just make it a whole lot. It's just going to make it easier if that makes sense. It's like all the other stuff has already been going on forever. Nothing is changing. Other, it's just going to make it easier and more. Push a button, talk, done. End of story. Nothing to change. All right. So we'll go there. All right. Today, we're in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. I heard a, uh, I think it was a sermon, where the pastor said that every sermon has to have a thesis. The point that he wants to make. And that what you should do as a church member is you walk up to the pastor and say, hey, what's your thesis before he preaches, and if he can't articulate what the thesis is or summarize the point of the sermon in a simple sentence, then he's not prepared. And I'm like, okay, well, I understand what they're saying, but when you consider the way I teach, that's probably a bad idea to do to me because uh, according to him, I probably don't preach uh, because I don't always necessarily have a specific thesis more than I may have a specific question that we're trying to answer. Does that make sense? I guess sometimes I do. I just believe that there, I believe the text, that I think here's what I believe. The goal of preaching is to try to engage you with the text, right? To try to help you engage the text to figure out what the text says by what it, or what it means by what it says. And, but not necessarily and, and I know you're, you, sometimes I don't like the fact that I do this. I don't like to spoon feed you, right? In fact, I like to try to make you work a little bit for the food, correct? I try to challenge you a little bit. So uh, I, today with Romans 3, I don't know if I have a specific thesis or a, or, or a point that I want to accomplish because we just need to try to advance it. And, and I don't really want to advance because I still don't think we understand chapter 2. Right? I, I still am confused by chapter two, but this is what we can at least agree upon. Starting in chapter one, Paul makes it clear that a downward spiral has occurred and has led men into sin. Yes? And that we believe, according to how chapter two develops, is that chapter one, I think 18 to the end, is dealing with Gentiles. That seems to, it applicable to everyone, but many people believe it's Gentiles. Chapter 2 seems to be very much emphasizing the Jew. Agreed? Yes, I mean, I think, it, I think we're very clear. I mean, by the time you get to the end of chapter 2, you're done with circumcision. Yes? Okay. All right. And that his argument is both the Gentile and both the Jew are what? Guilty. That, that's at least the implication. He's going to stress this in chapter 3. Now, this raises lots of questions about him talking about that God is going to judge according to truth and that God is going to judge us according to our deeds, raises some major theological questions, but we've tried our best to resolve it. We have tried, I mean, we spent more time on that subject than any church I've ever heard even trying to deal with that subject. And I don't know if we answered it, but we tried our best. I mean, we went through an entire book um, that was written on four different views trying to answer that. And sometimes that was tedious, but we were trying to come up with an answer. So we're now in chapter three, and we're going to do our best to see how far we can go. And I don't, and the reason I'm, I'm stressing this whole thesis idea is because what some, I listen to a lot of sermons on Romans 3, and it's like sometimes they, they kind of forget the, the narrative that's being developed and just need to make, they just need a sermon. Right? Does everybody know the difference between dealing with the actual narrative in the text and just needing a sermon? Does everybody know the difference? The narrative of the text may not give you a sermon. What I mean by a sermon, you know a sermon needs like two or three points, right? And you got something very practical and something emphasis that everyone can take home, right? And when I get to chapter three, there's a one point that everyone wants to run to and it's going to be about how sinful we are. 
And they're just going to bypass everything else to get to that point because they need a sermon. I don't approach preaching that I need a sermon. I approach preaching that I need to challenge you and equip you in how to handle the text, which may not turn out to be a sermon, which is all nice. I got my introduction. I got the body. I got a little conclusion. Maybe throw in a little emotional you know, story or some. You start with a joke, break the eye. You know, all the little garbage that pastors do that I hate. That's why I hate most preaching because it's just like, here's the template. I don't believe in templates. We got a chapter to figure out, right? That to me is more important than having a sermon. Now, sometimes I wish I had a sermon because you would probably like it more, but then you may like the sermon, but did you really get the text? Does everybody see the difference there? I hope, hopefully you do. There'll be people online like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're speaking a foreign language, but there's a difference the way we approach it. So we're going to deal with chapter three and do our best. Okay. Everybody ready? Now, Romans chapter three, some describe Romans chapter three as a bridge. Right. And that it goes from a, a, a it basically there are, it, it's a bridge between two sections. One section is about sin. And the other section is about salvation. And Romans 3 is a bridge to get us from the sin to the salvation. Because in Romans 1, 18 and following, did we not learn about sin? Chapter 2, did we not learn about sin? Like These were moral people in chapter 2 who are going to condemn the people of chapter 1. But Paul comes along and basically says, hey, you're no better off. You're guilty too. Really articulating their sin. Correct? When we we jump ahead, we're going to get to a lot of discussion about salvation. And chapter 3 comes along and kind of is a bridge to get us over, to get us there. That's how some people perceive it. Also, it has been described, some believe Romans chapter 3 is kind of the seedbed, the seedbed for the rest of the book. It plants the seeds that are going to show up in the rest of the book. If that is true, if Romans 3 is the seedbed for the rest of the book, That would mean Romans 3 may be one of the most important chapters of the book. Now, that's a warning to me that I can't do what some churches in Abilene have done and be able to knock out Romans 3 in one sermon or two sermons. If it's the seedbed, then it's laying down the very things that are going to show up everywhere else. Right? Let's let's test that theory. Uh, Open up your Bibles to Romans 3. Let's test the theory. Now, most people wouldn't test the theory because, see, guess what's getting ready to happen? Testing this theory is getting ready to possibly become the whole sermon. See, and and, in preaching, I shouldn't do that. I should just mention it to you, right? Tell you it's true, and then advance to get to the sermon. I don't follow the preaching rules, okay? And that's why there's six people here instead of, you know, 20,000, okay? But, but, but... I mean, what would you prefer, right? Just to be told that, that, that it's the seedbed and, and you all go home saying it's the seedbed or let's test it? Okay, okay. That better be the answer here. Okay, right. All right, all right. Okay. Okay. That's why you're here, right? Because other people will be like, no, I don't want you to test it. Just get to the point, okay? I don't have a point yet, okay? Right. So there we go. Here we go. Are you ready? Romans chapter three. Let's read verses one through four. What advantage then hath the Jew... Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly, because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, thou that thou that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. All right. Now, I will argue, um, I should have brought my uh, NIV. Romans 3, will, will, it will greatly benefit you in Romans 3 to have a different translation. This is one chapter. Say, now, I, I, don't th- I think you should rely on the King James, but I think the other translations can be beneficial. So if you have an NIV anywhere near, you may want to open it. All right. In that verse, I don't want to completely teach these verses, but he's obviously referring to the Jew, correct? Because he asked the question, what advantage then is it being a Jew? Everybody see that? Yeah. 
And he goes, for, for what if some did not believe? Who's that some? The Jews, Israel, right? What if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? All right? Now, here's what it's talking about. It's talking about Israel's unbelief in Romans chapter 3, 1 through 4, and it's calling a question. What about Israel's unbelief? Does it, make, does it call into question God's faithfulness? Now, why would they bring up the question of calling God's faithfulness? Because God, didn't God make promises to Israel? Yes. All right. Remember I said this is the seedbed? The same discussion shows up through Romans chapter 9 through Romans chapter 11. Romans 9 through 11, what are we going to turn to? It's going to turn back to the discussion of Israel, correct? So Romans 3, 1 through 4 doesn't go into great detail, but it introduces the subject of Israel's faithfulness or the sin of the Jews and God's faithfulness. Romans 9 through 11 is going to pick up the subject and really outline it and detail it. Does that make sense? Everybody know about Romans 9 through 11? Yes, we've talked about Romans 11 a lot here. Okay, yeah. Remember it talks about Israel being pushed aside because of their unbelief. But that doesn't mean God is done with them. And that, that brings up that whole discussion. All right, look at Romans chapter three, verse eight. Right, Romans chapter three, verse eight. And not rather, as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. Now here, Paul is being attacked here, but he's, he's being attacked that he's somehow saying that they should live in sin. Well, living in sin and whether we should or shouldn't is the theme of chapter six through eight. Romans 3.8 introduces a concept. Romans 6-8 through 8 is going to expand the concept. Everybody got that? All right? What's Romans 3.21? Look at Romans 3.21. What shows up in Romans 3.21? But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. The righteousness of God is manifested without the law. This begins to introduce the idea of a righteousness without law. You could put in parentheses justification. Well, that's the theme of chapters 4 through 5. Right? Look at uh, Romans 3.31. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid we establish the law. The establishing of some kind of a law is the theme of Romans 12 through 16. So the themes that are, the themes that show up in Romans 3 are the themes that are going to show up in the rest of the book of Romans. So that means when we come to these themes, what do we have to do? We can, we can take two approaches. One approach is we don't need to spend much time with it because it's going to show up later. Another approach is we need to really make sure we have a grasp of these themes because they're going to show up later. Now, you know which way I'm probably going to go. Possibly, maybe. I don't know. I haven't determined yet, but we will see. All right. Now, does that, so I'm going to make an argument that it is a seedbed that's going to plant the seed that will be, that will grow into something full later on. That means we need to pay close attention here. All right. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Romans 3, 1 through 20 in one sermon. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Romans 3, 1 through 20. Now, this is what we're going to do. And Romans 3, 1 through 20, and I'm going to do something most churches don't do, right? And for those listening online, there's going to be a, a long pause and a lot of silence, okay? So, but that's okay, right? Now, this, you're getting ready to have to do the work. Romans 3, 1 through 20, four questions. Paul provides four questions and the answers to four questions. See if you can identify all four questions in Romans chapter 3, 1 through 20. You may argue there is five, but there is at least four. Find four questions. Romans 3, 1 through 20. Paul presents the question and he presents the answer. Presents the question and presents the answer. I know you're saying this is a sermon. You should not be giving me questions to answer, but why shouldn't I? 
supposed to equip you, right? When you find question number one, raise your hand. Okay? 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 Question number one. What is question number one? Okay, what advantage is there to being a Jew? What advantage is there being a Jew? Everybody see that question? Where's that question found? All right, good job. Okay, and he's going to provide an answer after. And then we're going to look at that answer and we're going to look at that question. Everybody got question number one? All right, how many have found question number two? Now, uh, Mr. Goodlett is adding, a, uh, he's looking at a question in the second part of verse 1 or verse 2, correct? Okay. Now, uh, we're going to argue that that's, that goes with the first question. Does that make sense? That it's connected? It's just another way of asking the same question. What advantage of being a Jew? What profit is there of circumcision? Who gets circumcised? So it goes with the first question. But that's good. He, he, um, he, he's, uh, he's observing the text, but we're going to c- connect that with the first question. Right, right. In other words, the circumcision of the Jews, right? Okay. All right, so what's the second question? All right, and where do you see that? Verse 3. For what, for what it... What if some did not believe, shall their unbelief make the uh, faith of God without effect? I know that looks like two questions, but basically he's, he's stating a question in two different ways. Does that make sense? This is basically what he's saying for question number two. Has Israel's unbelief canceled God's faithfulness? Has Israel's unbelief canceled God's faithfulness? If you're a Jew and you don't believe, did that somehow call into question God's faithfulness? And why are they asking that question? We'll talk about that when we get there. All right, everybody see that? Okay, All right. Question number three. All right, where do y'all find this? Okay, but if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man, right? And then if you kind of go on and read a little further, he kind of repeats this. Basically, question number three goes something like this. If our, if our unrighteousness shows God's righteousness, isn't it unfair for him to punish us? If our unrighteousness shows God's righteousness, then why should he punish you or me? Good question, right? Yes? He's going to make an argument that my unrighteousness shows God's righteousness. Well, then, okay, great. I'm doing a wonderful thing. My unrighteousness is doing a wonderful thing. Why am I being judged? Everybody see that? What's number four? Look at verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Who's the, who is the we and the they? Is the Jew better than the Gentile? Is the Jew better than the Gentile? Is the Jew better than the Gentile? Here are the questions that we have. So what's question number one? What advantage is there to being a Jew? All right. Number two? Okay, what if, what, what does, uh, how did I state it? Um, has Israel's unbelief canceled God's faithfulness? Has Israel's unbelief canceled God's faithfulness? And then number three? If our unrighteousness shows God's righteousness, isn't it unfair for him to punish us? Why, why can he punish me? If my, if my unrighteousness is showing God's righteousness, I'm doing a good thing. So why can he punish me? And then number four, is the Jew better than the Gentile? All right, those are the four questions. Everybody got them?
All right, let's jump in and let's see where we can go. All right, anybody got an NIV present uh, today? Yes, no? On your phone, good. All right. Okay, I may, I may need you at times to, uh, to, to speak up. Yeah, there we go. All right, here we go. Let's go to Romans chapter 3, verse 1. What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Okay, now what is leading to this question? Why is he starting chapter 3 with this question? Because who does he seem to be of speaking to in chapter 2? The Jews, right? Okay, and he, in fact, how does chapter 2 end? With what subject? Circumcision, right? Does everybody see that? Okay, and and then look look at verse 29. I think Sarah just quoted it. But he is a Jew, which won inwardly. And he starts talking about an inward change versus an outward. And we spend a lot of time with that. So he's going to return to this subject and he's going to ask a simple question. What advantage then hath the Jew or what profit is there of circumcision? Now, let's... Answer this question. What is the advantage of being a Jew? Is there any advantage to being a Jew? Is there any advantage to being a Jew? Well, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. There is an advantage to being a Jew. And Paul says, yes. Does everybody see the answer? Okay, and much every way, I think is how he says it, chiefly, I think is how he uses the term. Okay, much every way, chiefly. Everybody see that? There is an advantage. Wonderful. Now we're sitting here as Gentiles going, well, wait a minute, that seems unfair, but well, there's an advantage. What is the advantage? He says in every way, but he's going to give us an example of at least one advantage. What was the advantage? Because that unto them, who's the them in verse 2? The Jews were committed the oracles of God. What are the oracles of God? Well, how many got a Bible dictionary sitting in the pew next to them? See if there's an entry for oracles. Okay, did you, is your, is your Bible give an answer? Okay, what does your Bible say? Oracles of God refers to the words of the Old Testament, which Paul, like many other New Testament writers, and even Jesus himself regarded as divinely inspired. Okay, they're saying the oracles are ultimately Old Testament, or what we, we say, the word of God. What was committed unto them? The oracles of God, the word of God. If you, if you, is there an entry for oracles in the Bible dictionary? Okay, what does it say? Okay, just give me a, a, the, a, the opening paragraph. So hopefully, we'll summarize it. A prophetic speech, utterance, or declaration in Greek religion, an oracle was a response given by a pagan god to a human question. Oracles were uttered by persons entranced, by those who interpreted dreams, by those who saw or heard patterns in nature. The most famous oracle, in this sense, was the oracle at Delphi. Mm-hmm. The shrine of Apollo, the great god of the sun. The word oracle is used in several ways in the Bible. The book of Numbers uses it to describe the prophecies of Balaam, the son of Beor, the soothsayer, okay. in Numbers. The Hebrew word translated oracle means a similitude, parable, or proverb. In Second Samuel, the word oracle is translation of a Hebrew word that means word or utterance. It refers to a communication from God given from man's guidance. There we go. An oracle is communication that comes from God. It can be used in pagan religion of a God, but it's a word from God given for man's guidance, man's direction, for man to know something. So what advantage was it for being a Jew? God's word was committed unto them. They were giving the oracles of God, the message of God to them. Everybody see that? Now, there's a couple of uh, cross-references here. Depending on uh, your Bible may have some cross-references here. Go to Psalm uh, 147.
Psalm 147. Everybody there? Psalm 147, look at verse 19. He showeth his word unto Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. He hath not dealt so with any nation, and as for his judgments, they have not known them. Praise ye the Lord. What is he saying right there? No, the other nations got them. Who did he show them to? Israel. Who did he give his statutes to? Israel. Who did he give his judgments to? Israel. He hath not dealt so with any nation. No other nation was given that. That is an advantage. Amen? Go to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. Everybody there? Go back to verse 37 for context. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto, uh, unto me, him shall ye hear. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel, which spake to him in Mount Sinai, and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. Right? Given the same idea. Go to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Now remember I said Romans 3 is the seedbed for the rest of it? Go to Romans chapter 9 verse 4. What does it, what does it say? Who are Israelites? To whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. What advantage were they given? They were given the oracles of God. Okay, let's go back to Romans chapter 3. Let's read it one more time. Romans chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way chiefly because th that unto them were committed the oracles of God. Now stop right there. Now, this is an important, important thing to consider. On one hand, we can sit here and we can look and go, man, they had all these advantages, and they did. They, there's no way to deny it. And how did some of them respond to these uh, benefits that they were given? Well, look at the very next verse. What does the next verse say? What if some... Now, obviously, it's not hypothetical because some did not believe. They were given an advantage and they did not take advantage of that advantage. They were given a benefit and they did not take advantage of that benefit. Now, all of us can sit here and go, well, those... Those Jews, man, I, man, I, they are so messed up and so bad, and I just, I just don't get why they did what they did. Well, you need to slow down and be extremely careful here, all right? They were given an advantage that none of the other nations at the time had. That's not true in 2019. Everyone in this room is holding what? We're holding the oracles of God. We're holding the inspired word of God. You all own it. Correct? Okay? You all have a church that you can attend. Yes? Okay? You all have the ability to uh, purchase every kind of Bible study tool that has ever been invented in Christian history. You can buy a concordance. You can buy an interlinear. You can learn uh, elementary uh, principles of New Testament Greek and uh, principles of Old Testament Hebrew. You, you have the ability to buy encyclopedias, dictionaries, commentaries. You have the ability, you have in your possession, most of you can have it on your phone, every word that the early church fathers ever wrote. You have access to all of their writings. You have access to millions of sermons. You have access to everything. 
That is an advantage. What you do with that advantage says a lot about you. Biblical ignorance in 2019 is inexcusable. There's no excuse for it. There, you can make all the excuses in the world. There is no excuse for it. There, you have everything at your fingertips. Now, what you do with that says a lot about you. It says a lot of, you have so many advantages. And that's how it comes. Sometimes it can be frustrating when you ask, like, like, in my mind, you ask a Christian a question about the Bible today, every Christian should just know the answer. And if you don't know the answer, it's because you don't want to know the answer. If you can't explain it, it's because you don't want to know. Because you have the ability to read the Bible every single day. And if you can't read, you literally can listen to the Bible be read to you. Like, what more do you need? Right? On your phones, you can get an audio app for your Bible and, and just go to Genesis. Just listen. They read Genesis. And you're like, well, you know, I, I just don't have a lot of time. I'm, I'm really busy. I'm really, okay, well, you're, you're making a lot of excuses. We have advantages too. And what comes with advantages? Responsibility. And it's, it's, it's kind of, and, and it's, it's, what do we all have, what do we all, t- what's the natural way we uh, treat our advantages? Take them for granted. We take them for granted. Everyone in this room has been given so many advantages, it's not even funny. Everyone in this room, no matter, no matter how bad things, at any time in my life, things, I can go back and there were some major disadvantages, but I still have so many advantages just because I grew up in this country with certain freedoms and certain things that other people do not have. There are, there are people today who try to, to even go to church, they're putting their life at risk and they may be killed. There are people who are going to be martyred and killed for trying to go to church today in certain parts of the world. There are parts of the world where they can't, they're trying to even own a Bible. There are people today in certain parts, they will walk four, five, six miles to go to church. Walk four, five, six miles to go to church. There, there, are, there. I mean, there's young people sitting in this room right now that have so many spiritual advantages. Many will in this room will for, forego, throw out those advantages, and then find themselves later in life basically walking in utter spiritual darkness. And it's no one's fault but their own. And they can blame everyone in the world. They can blame parents. They can blame society. You've been given the advantage. The Jews had it. And this could be, a, we could sit here and blame the Jew, which they're, they're getting ready to be condemned, but you wait, we're going to get condemned in this as well. Because we already, if, if, one, if chapter one is the Gentiles, in fact, he looked the way Paul's made an argument, the Gentiles had an advantage too, right? They didn't have the same advantage. What, what did the uh, Gentiles have? Remember, in, in chapter three, we just learned what the Jews had, the oracles of God. In chapter one, what did we have as Gentiles? What did they have? Remember chapter one? They had two things. Remember we talked about an internal and external? They had nature, which says what? There is a God. And what else do we believe that was, was hinted at in Romans one? God's law written on our hearts. They had that. Now what did, what did we do with that advantage? Suppressed it and then the downward spiral. They... The Jews had those two advantages, right? They had nature and they had God's law written on their heart. Well, where else did they have God's law? They had the oracles of God. And they too, so what does this tell us? No matter the advantage, external, internal, around you, how you're raised, what, what, can all, what, what will one thing, no advantage can change? This is a very important spiritual truth. Paul is not necessarily making the point here, but it's the point that we can make. This is very clear. The Bible makes this clear. No matter the advantage you have, it cannot change the human heart. It cannot transform the heart. It does not change you. 
God has to change you through the process of regeneration and salvation. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Okay? Wasn't raised in a Christian home. I can tell stories and stories and stories about things that happened. Crazy things happened. Wacko stuff. Right? Nutso stuff I could talk about. I mean, I'm, I was a teenager sitting on freshly dug graves in the Buffalo Gap Cemetery with a satanic Bible and candles calling on evil spirits. Okay? That's, that's a disadvantage. Alright? Okay? Or I could call it, I, yeah, that's a disadvantage from a spiritual perspective. That's usually not the, that's usually not the good habits to build yourself to becoming a Baptist preacher. Right? Okay? Doing drugs. My dad grew marijuana. Right? Right there in Buffalo Gap. Okay? That's a disadvantage. That was an advantage if I needed some marijuana, but it was a disadvantage in other things, right? I could talk about all these disadvantages. Right? That disadvantage didn't stop salvation from occurring because salvation is a work of God. There's kids sitting in this room who have every kind of advantage. Raised in a Christian home. Nobody stops them from reading the Bible or studying the Bible. They just don't want to do it, but they can. They're given all kinds of advantages. So Now, this is what's messed up. Sometimes the kid raised in the messed up home, right? You would see this in a youth group, right? Here's the kids raised in a Christian home. Here's the kid raised in an abusive home, alcoholic parents, horrible situation. Nobody makes them get up to go to church. No one does anything. They're the ones reading the Bible, studying the Bible, and love God. And it's the kid raised in the Christian home. You ask them a basic question about the Bible, and they're like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. And they don't care. Now, that's not to pick on the kids here. Because all the advantages can't make you care. They can't make you care. I was, I was raised in a home where I had, I, had, I had two big advantages. One, my mom's, man, she knew I loved music. She, she gave me every advantage I wanted, man. I mean, there was an album coming out, wasn't available in the United States. She would pay serious money for me to get the English import. She gave me a subscription to Billboard magazine. That was a $500 a year subscription. Because Billboard only went to radio stations. So I was, I was reading Billboard magazine, knowing all the inside stuff going on in music. On school days, if there was a concert, guess what? I didn't have to go. I didn't have to go to school. Guess where I got taken? Taylor County Coliseum dropped off at 9 in the morning. Concert didn't start till 7 p.m. Why? Because back then it was general admission. So you die trying to get in. So I was always front, first in line. Could sit anywhere I want. Boom, did that. She snuck me into uh, concerts, violating security, so I can meet stars, different singers and different artists, because she said, all you got to do is walk in, act like you own the place, and no one will question why you're there. We did that. She was crazy, right? She took me to the Sportatorium. Oh, sacred ground for wrestling fans in Dallas, Texas. I got to go to the Sportatorium. I took advantage of all of those things because my love for music, my love for wrestling. My brother is a musical moron, okay? Doesn't know anything. Doesn't know anything about wrestling. Well, I don't know what he was doing. Don't know what he was doing. Guess what you can't do? Advantages can't what? Can't change something. It It can't do that. God has to do that. Now, it's frustrating because sometimes as a Christian parent, you're like, I've given you all these advantages. But God, did Cain and Abel have a lot of advantages that we don't have? <laughs> I, would, I would hope so, right? I mean, you know, hey, tell me how we got here. Well, you see, son, God created us. There was no arguing with the, a mom and dad there, right? There was no, well, no, there's a scientific theory coming. There was no scientific theory. Like, We're it. We're the first creations. There's no, there was no, they, God, I mean, they knew God was real. Yes, there was no question that God was real. Yes, I mean, there was an angel standing at a door, at the door of a, of a garden with a flaming sword, right? They knew angels were real. They knew God was real. They knew it all. And how did that work out for Cain? Yeah. 
Yeah, worked out really bad for Abel, right? Because he died, right? Okay. But Cain's heart was what? Not changed. Advantages do not change hearts. Only salvation can. And I hate that truth sometimes. Don't you? I hate that truth. As a pastor, I hate that. Especially if I see young people in the church and I'm like, what can I do to make them love God? What can I do to get... I can't do anything. I can't do that with for you. I'm like, please study the Bible. Please study the Bible. Please, 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 please. I'll teach you the Bible study. Please, please, please. I can't make you love it. I can't make you want to do it. I can't do it. Do you know that's the, like being a pastor is one of the worst jobs in the history of mankind from that person. You can't, your job is to try to motivate, to try, you want to see change, but you can't, I can't produce it. It's kind of like being a, a Christian parent, right? You want your kids to love God. You can't make it happen. You say, I've given them every advantage in the world. doesn't matter. You can say, we did family devotions. We read the... You can, re- you can have family devotions with some kids and they just look at you like... It's like a brick wall, right? Because what's not been changed? Heart. Internal... Versus external. Remember that that was a major emphasis here. Their advantage is of no value. Let's go to the second one. We'll just have to stop with this one. Right? And this is an important one. First, it applies to Israel, but we'll apply it to ourselves. I just wanted you to see that we have advantages too. In fact, in fact the advantages Israel had... We have a lot of, we have them in some cases better than they. And, and when it comes to the oracles of God, we have it even better than they have. You literally can carry it at home with you. Right? Does that make sense? But what can it not do? The advantage itself doesn't transform you. You've got to pray that God will transform your heart. That's why when David, after he messed up, what did he ask for? Create in me. I, I needed a clean, a new heart. Okay, we've got to ask for God to change us. Okay, all right. Now, what's the second question here? All right, uh, Emma just said it. Verse 3, uh, Romans 3, verse 3. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? And the idea of faith of God, the faithfulness of God. I think the NIV may even use the term faithfulness of God there. Does it? Yes, okay. Uh, does God? Does God... Is God's faithfulness destroyed because of their unbelief? Now, this is an important question. An important question as it relates to Israel, as it relates to eschatology, and as it relates to you. Right? Did Israel act in unbelief? Yes, 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 yes. Did it destroy God's faithfulness? No, no, no. And if it did not, then that changes your view in eschatology quickly, Right? That means God is not done with Israel and they've not been replaced by me and you. But what is the comfort for you and I? Well, have any of you ever been unfaithful? Okay, okay, I'll be the only one here. Okay, I have a church of all faithful people for those listening online. I'm the only unfaithful one here, but I have been unfaithful to God and I know you have even though you may not admit it. Well, isn't it good to know that your unfaithfulness does not stop God's faithfulness? I am glad of that. I am glad of that. Now, we'll have to talk more about that, but I want you to just, the main thing I want you to take from this, I guess my, my point turned out to be this morning, okay, is even though I wanted to look at these four questions, there is a, there is a point there because we have to realize we all have an advantage. We all have advantages. Now, we, we talk a lot in our, in our culture in 2019 about, you know, um, you know, privilege, a lot of discussion in our culture about white privilege or male privilege or, or privilege and all, kind, you know, all kinds of discussions about that. And here's what I know. Whatever privilege I have, instead of arguing about whether I should have it or shouldn't have it, I should take advantage to make the best use of any advantage I do have, correct? And if someone doesn't have that advantage, that's horrible and you want them to have the similar advantage, but everyone has different advantages in different way. I was raised in a really messed up home, but I still had a great adva- I had still had some great advantages. My love for music is because of that. My love for wrestling came from that. My love for reading 
My mom caught on. My mom had me, taught me how to read before I got to kindergarten. I knew how to read before I got to kindergarten. I was already reading at a high level before I even got to kindergarten. And then once she knew that I loved to read, she spared no expense. If I wanted 30 books, I got 40. If I wanted 50 books, I got 60. She saw I liked reading comic books, she'd bring in stacks. Boom. Read, 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 read. I mean, and then any time there was a question, she didn't answer my question. She handed me a book. First time I heard the uh, racial, racial word that starts with an N, the first time I heard that, I didn't know what it was. I came and asked the question. Well, I got backhanded for, for saying the word. And then guess what she handed me? Roots. It's like... I was young. I don't remember how, how old I was. And she had him. She's like, you got to read this. I had a question about Hitler. Guess what she gave me a book about? Holocaust. Right? Boom. Okay. I'm a little kid going, ah, this is horrible. Okay. <laughs> okay. Why are you letting me read this stuff? Okay. Right? But it was an advantage. Right? I had all kinds of disadvantages. Even in the midst of great disadvantage, there's still sometimes advantages. Right? There's still an advantage there. We, everyone in this room, we have an advantage. And since we're about to end a year, I'll end it with this. Look back at 2019 and look at all the spiritual advantages you have. What have you done with those spiritual advantages? How many people have come to the Lord because of you in 2019? How many people have you discipled in 2019 based off all your advantages? You should be able to disciple people. What have you done with your advantages? How, how, did you read the, the whole Bible? How much time did you spend in prayer? What did you do spiritually? What, what, your 2019 is going to end. Now you had advantages and guess what you did with a lot of those advantages? You threw them away. Israel did the same thing. Now the good news is they're not taking advantage of those uh, advantages and acting in unbelief and acting in an inappropriate way did not change God's Faithfulness, because the one thing is true, no matter how unfaithful we all were in 2019, God remains faithful. That's the good news in it, even though we didn't get to articulate that question in, in fuller detail. I, I just, but I want you to just really think about the advantages. I, I didn't take advantage of all the advantages I had in 2019. Right? I get 24 hours every day. There's times I didn't take advantage of those 24 hours. You say, well, this was going on and this was going on. I understand in the midst of great difficulty in life, it can make it hard to take advantage. But you've got to say, I still, I got to try to find a way to make the most of those advantages in, in no matter what is going on. Right? Think about your advantages today. Think about the, be grateful for those advantages. Be grateful for them. And then what can you do to, to make the most out of them? Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you this morning. Lord, four questions, they apply to Israel, but there are some lessons here for us as well. And I pray that we give this serious thought where, where this is going. Paul's going to take these four questions, give the four answers, and then he's going to hit us hard once we get to about Romans three nineteen, to tell us that every single one of us is guilty in every single way possible. There's not going to be a lot of good news in chapter three, but Lord, I pray that we are willing to acknowledge our own our own failures, just like he's trying to get Israel to admit their failure. And I pray that we see ourselves in this text and not just Israel. We ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said,